You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, welcome to another podcast episode, episode 43 I believe on the 13th of February 2022, a week before I start my new job, yes, I got employed, I have a new job starting next week, fingers crossed it all goes well, it sounds good, the work sounds good, the culture sounds good, and the culture is the main thing I'm after, I need a place that I want to get up in the morning and think, you know what, I'm glad I'm going to this office today, you know, so we'll we'll see how that goes and I'll give you feedback, but uh, yeah, you might have noticed a slight difference in the format, it's like, hang on a minute, this looks like your live streams video and that, and I, well, that's because I recently took the plunge, thank you specifically to Patreons for this, I have upgraded my StreamYard subscription to the Pro Plan. I hate the fact that they gouge you for money to put this up to HD streaming, but I figured the Patreons have been fantastic, your support has made this channel possible to get to this point, and I figured, you know what, I can take a little hit and upgrade the subscription. It's not cheap, it's like an extra $20 a month to act effectively equivalent to do this, but I sort of thought, well, hang on a minute, if I can do this in HD streaming mode, why do I need OBS Studio, which is what I used previously? You would have noticed the sort of big green format for like all the Facebook and various like icons in the bottom left, the weird spacey background, me in the top corner, and uh, the like the window kind of squished on the right and that, and it's like... Yeah, but OBS is a chore to use sometimes. It's fiddly, you gotta get it all set up, it's not 100% like work, you know, guaranteed it'll work. And I just thought, well, why don't I just use StreamYard to do my podcast? All I gotta do is just record it and not stream it. I download the video off the site and then edit it in Premiere Pro just like I do with the other one. Surely that would be simpler. A lot easier for me to set up. Then I have more control over things like the cameras, so I can sort of, you know, put myself into weird little modes like wee, 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 you know, just like putting pictures all over the place at the click of a button. So I'd like to get your feedback, you know, let me know how this goes. Does the audio sound good? Is the video good? It's still 108, it's still 1080p, just like the OBS Studio one is. That was the advantage of using that. It was higher resolution than StreamYard was, but now StreamYard is letting me do it in 1080p. Maybe OBS is now redundant because I don't do tabletop playthroughs because I don't have the space or camera set up to do that. And that's mainly what OBS is really used for, for great effect. You know, Paul Grogan uses it extensively for his tabletop uh, playthroughs, for example. So, like I say, let me know your thoughts. But in terms of what is going on with me, well... Yeah, the channel is progressing nicely. I mean, we recently passed 16,000 views, uh, sorry, 16,000 subscribers, and we're already up to 16,189. It's climbing quite nicely lately, which is good to see. Uh, you know, carry on, please. Thank you for subscribing. But also, latest content has been good because I pretty much, if you look at my board in the other room, which normally has my planner for what I need to play, what I need to edit, what I need to do, it's empty. There's nothing on it. 
No, there's literally nothing on it because I'm up to date. I'm finally up to date. You know, I spent a lot of time in January doing these express and detailed reviews. I mean, everything from Dixit Stellar, Book of Rituals, The Loop, Tabanusi, Brian Boro, Origins First Buildish, and Kansan Zero K, Now or Never, uh, and the Onitama expansions, and Defense of Procyon Free Impressions, and all of that plus podcast and top 10 lists, you know, top 10 lists were coming out there. We had top 10 anticipated games, top 10 anticipated expansions, top 10 uh, games that killed other games, which is going very well. I mean, it's like 50, nearly, you know, just over 14,000 views. Very much thank you for that. I, I love the thumbnail I did there with me sort of going, hmm, you know, considering with my fingers on my chin and then the screams like uh, serial killer do behind me, like, <laughs> I really like that thumbnail. Um, not quite as good as me holding Captain America's shield in the uh, follow-up, which was top 10 games and defend that defended from other games, which is a kind of reversal of killed other games. That one's 3,500. It's doing okay. I don't think it'll be as popular as the previous one, mainly because the name is a little bit weird to understand. And I don't blame you. It, it was a hard one to name that one. But I know I'm still taking pride that no other creator has done this list. So, you know, you want it first, you come to the Broken Meeple and watch it. But also, live streaming's been good through January. I've done the, you know, not a huge amount of them, but they've been great. I did a live stream where I used Tear Maker to rank my favorite spirits in Spirit Island. Not as popular as I would have liked. That's only got 1,600 views since it was done. But, but I suppose it's a niche game and uh, not as many, you know, you're not going to watch it really if you're not into Spirit Island. So maybe that was the problem with it. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed doing it. And I hope to, I want to use Tear Maker to do other lists. So, you know, people have said, can, can you do a Sentinels one? There's a lot of characters in that. And it's not, it's not like I've played them all in a long time. So that might be a bit tricky, but I don't know. Maybe I'll be able to do something with that. But mainly, I'd love you all to check out the two live streams I did with Mark dainty from not board gaming we did top 10 solo games we did an update of that and that's very popular i mean well very popular for a live stream live streams don't tend to get as many views as a pre-recorded one but still you know nine and a half thousand views nearly is pretty good you know it's not bad but i would like that to be higher especially as it's a solo games list i know it's long but it does have timestamps, and you can just listen to it in audio form if you want just treat it like a podcast you know but yeah i suppose it's the fact that it's long that it doesn't get as many views but hey we like to talk i have a second person talking about their games and we interact with the chat at the end so that's why they're longer same for the one that i did last yesterday in fact actually top 10 solo euro games uh, two and a half thousand views since yesterday afternoon i'd like that to keep going up please because that was a very interesting list we crossed over once so you're getting 19 unique games on this list for solo euro games now well, obviously, Mark Dainty's a good buddy of mine, and, you know, hashtag supports all creators. Check out Not Board Gaming for his channel. Uh, when's the next time we'll do something together? I mean, he's always up for doing something. I'm trying to get other people to collaborate on the channel, and, you know, they're up for it. It's just a nightmare trying to get people free at the moment or respond to Twitter messages and stuff like that. So, you know, and any time they do respond, it's like, oh, we're a bit busy at the moment. So it's getting hard to find people to collaborate with. But... There are some in the pipeline. You know, Mark Dainty will always be up for doing stuff. So the next time we can think of something to do on a solo basis, we'll do something. But um, uh, next one will probably be uh, Jonathan from Hexy Beast. Uh, he's uh, expressed a re request to do one of my top 10s that the Patreons have voted on, which was uh, top 10 things that were, what was it? Top 10 worst things in our favorite games. Because no game is flawless. 
No game is ever flawless. It's always going to have something wrong with it. And so Jonathan was up for that. And uh, yeah, I'll put that in the diary at some point and we will do that as a live stream. Uh, I'll also try and do other live streams. I'll do some top 10s myself, you know, just occasional top 10 games by Days of Wonder or Garpil Games. Well, I haven't played 10 games by Garpil Games, but you know what I mean. You know, so, you know, little lists that maybe aren't the pre-recorded ones, they could be done in a live stream format. They might take an hour for me to go through my list and interact with the chat. But, you know, I want to use the live stream format as often as possible because, well, I'm paying for it. <laughs> so kind of the way it is. It might as well get my money's worth out of it. But yeah, lots of content and now I'm up to date. So uh, yeah, great. What do I do next? More top 10 lists really because, you know, I haven't really got anything to review at the moment. Um, you know, I've got, well, I've got Nidavellir. Nidavellir is on my table. I bought it recently with, you know, thanks to Patreons and that. And I want to play that and give it a review at some point. I just haven't had a chance to play it. And to be honest, uh, activity this week might be a bit limited anyway because from Wednesday through to Sunday before I start work, I'm going up north to visit my older brother and his family and my parents are going to be there as well so it's going to be a good family get together uh talk about you know his wedding you know later on this year and get some stuff prepped but mainly it's just to hang out with the family because honestly i don't get to see him very often because he's all the way up there uh like past middlesbrough way and this is like oh great so i can start work after i go visit them so i don't have to take any holiday off for it fantastic you know so kill two birds with one stone so, yes, the activity might be a bit limited. I mean, I might be able to get one more video out this week, maybe another top 10 list if I'm lucky. Maybe I doubt I'd have time to do a pre-recorded top 10 list. What I might do is do a Q&A. Might do a Q&A or a live stream top 10 middle of the week before I go. And then you'll just have to accept that there's going to be a bit of a break in the channel until I get back. And obviously I've got to start work. But, you know, content will be coming. There's just not going to be like a ton each week because there's only so much. However, I do have some uh, like different arrangements with uh, sponsors on the line which is going to mean more review copies and more chances to buy games and try them out and just have fun with them you know for review purposes and that but I can't give any details just yet you'll have to wait and see on those but yeah yeah there's stuff in the pipeline as always though thanks for supporting the channel thanks for being a patreon if you are one if you're not one please consider doing so but as i say i would never ask anybody to part with their hard-earned cash if they you know they need to spend it on something more important uh but failing that just like my videos share them on social media you know put the word out that they exist sub you know subscribe to the channel that that does it all you know and obviously comment on the video so that i know who you are and like to engage with you when i can i can't guarantee i can respond to every single comment especially on top 10 videos because because they end up getting like 300 comments and stuff and it's like right okay I can only respond to so many of these <laughs> I can't go quite so mad but it's good to see the activity and at least I will read them all if nothing else anyway all right that seems good for there so on the subject of small creators let me just do I haven't done a shout out for a while so let's do one eh let's do a shout out so we're going to give a shout out for solo playthroughs three and a quarter thousand subscribers uh this guy does solo playthroughs well it's in the name what do you expect they do eh <laughs> that's kind of what you was, what what else am I going to say they do but yeah 
solo gaming is his thing just like with Mark Dainty except as Mark Dainty mainly does like unboxings and reviews and sort of impressions of solo gaming this guy does playthroughs without the reviews and it's specific to a fair few games I mean he does some top 10 lists you know we've got top 10 Gaia Project factions and Mage Knight scenarios and rankings in Mage Knight and spirits in you know Spirit Island but he's also got a lot of playthroughs of various times. So he's got Anachrony. He's got a lot of Spirit Island solo games. He's got Dawn of the Zeds. I've never played that game. I have no idea what that's like. Uh, there's too many bones there for anybody who likes that. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Gaia Project solo. So he's done some Gaia Projects. Uh, Sentinels in the Multiverse. Uh, Cloud Spire. Uh, Mage Knight. You know, he's done a lot of solo playthroughs. So... If you're in, I don't tend to watch a lot of playthroughs just because I can only, you know, I like to play the game myself rather than watch someone else play it. But, you know, does a good job. And if your playthroughs are definitely your thing, I do recommend giving these a watch, particularly if these are some of your favorite games. I have actually sort of sat down and, you know, in the background whilst I'm doing other stuff, kind of like flipped on a couple of Spirit Island solo ones because stuff like, you know, maybe like using the... Because this guy actually plays on pretty high difficulties for Spirit Island. I mean, he's playing against Sweden level six as Trickster. Okay, the Trickster is a cool spirit. I ranked him fairly high, but... Man, I have not even attempted a faction on level 6. I only attempt level 5 if I'm playing with the two buddies of mine who taught me the game who are experts. I do not try um, solo mode. So the fact that this guy does level 6 does give me some interesting teaching rules as to like how to play a hard difficulty, especially as he plays true solo and not multi-handed. So, uh, yeah, by all means, hashtag support small creators, solo playthroughs, give him a look, give him a like, and give him a subscribe if you haven't already i know i have Alrighty, let's get on to some quickie news then so we're not going to dwell too much on said news but first i must partake in some turmeric tea oh it's hot and it burns the throat but it's nice stuff very good turmeric's an underrated spice that is good to get in your diet much like ginger right so for news, we've got something from Portal Games first. Uh, they're doing, and for free, which is one of the best words you can hear these days, free, a free PDF download of a board games magazine. They announced this around the end of January, so a bit late with this one, but as I say, I only do these every two weeks. But they're essentially doing a PDF download that you can download from the website called Moloch Monthly. Now, Moloch is a term that derives from the 51st State games. I don't know enough about what Moloch is. It's just, well, if you know 51st State, you know what Moloch is. But Moloch Monthly is quite a cool title, I think. That kind of works. And essentially, it's a, you know issue 1, February 2022. It's basically just a magazine on board gaming. But it's kind of, in a sense, not only just portal-specific... But it will have other stuff in there as well, like, for example, uh, interviews with designers. The first issue includes Rob Davieu, and I'm sorry, I can't even pronounce this second name, uh, Przemysloryma? I have no idea how to pronounce that. I am sorry, it's a Polish name, so give me some... Give me some slack, all right? It's not an easy language. Uh, but, you know, game designers, journals, quizzes, and even short science fiction stories, which is something a bit different. But it will also have some stuff about Portal games in general. I mean, it's got a, a Gutenberg designer diary, because Portal are bringing Gutenberg to uh, Portal Publishing. Um, it's got some stuff on 51st State, and then there's uh, presumably a top 10 games of 2021 list from Mignacity. That'd be interesting, actually, because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm buddies with Ignasty, he's a cool bloke, and we get on well, and I've helped them out at Essen and stuff, I've even got t-shirts to prove it, but 
I haven't necessarily, I don't know a lot about what games he generally plays, apart from obviously the card games that he designs, like the Empires North and Imperial Settlers and Video Estate. So I'm curious what his 10 favourite games would be. So when this, I wonder if this is actually available. Is it actually available yet? Subscribe and receive one email in a month when a new issue is released. Uh, subscribe now. So presumably I can just download this now. Okay, so he has actually released the first one. It is actually out and available for you to look at. So, you know, decent cuts. I mean, there's definitely a lot of effort that's gone into this. You know, you can tell that this is a professional done job. And yeah, it's going to have... Yeah, this, is, this looks pretty solid, actually. You know, some adverts for board games as normal. Some portal-related stuff. But, you know, a few photos. You know, board game of the day. And, oh, God, I don't want to spoil this list. I don't want to spoil this list. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this a read later on. In fact, I'm uh, going to click on download right now. There you go. I'm going to download it right now and give it a read after I'm done with this. Um, and probably subscribe to it while I'm at it. So we'll cross that bridge. But yeah, sounds like a cool deal. I made a free magazine from Portal Games. It's cool. And I don't normally read magazines, but maybe it's nice to read one of these every now and again. And let's face it, if a book about, if a Where's Wally style book about finding components of board games on pages can be popular, then why can't a magazine as well? So yeah, by the way, give this one a look. Thank you, Portal Games, for putting out some cool free content for people. Uh, going into board game related topics now, we've got Dominion is getting a expansion which you've seen before. Yeah, it's the second edition. They recently bought, well, I say recently, quite a while ago, actually, they brought out the first two main standalone sets in second edition form. They are now announcing that later this year, very soon, actually, I think, will be the Dominion Seaside expansion for the second edition game. Now, honestly, I'm glad that more people these days could buy the second edition and get into Dominion, but it's a long time since the previous second edition was released, I think, quite a while. And yet it's taken them this long to bring out this expansion in second edition form. Why is it taking so long? You already have the expansion. It exists. You had it in first edition. All you're doing is tweaking a few things and maybe changing up some of the artwork. I hope. If you're not changing up the artwork, then what are you doing? But yeah, this just seems like a large gap between the initial release and this. Are there that many people playing Dominion in the second edition form? I've got it up there in a box in first edition form. But how many people are into Dominion? I'm interested. Let me know in the comments if you're one of these people who has gotten into Dominion via the second edition form. And, you know, have you been entertained with the base game long enough to wait for this expansion? Obviously, when this expansion comes out, if you're one of those people, get it. Seaside's a great expansion. It's got orange cards that have a duration. So you play them, and then they last for another turn and do something else when they, like, you know, go away, or they might last... Uh, they might have an effect that lasts several turns, you know, all, all, all good and well. So it's definitely, I think, my favorite expansion out of the entire Dominion set. And yes, I'm saying that above things like Prosperity and that. But yeah, it, it's my favorite expansion, so I do recommend it. But how long is it going to be before we get the next one? I just feel like they're really dragging their heels with this. So interesting as to why. But yeah, if you're playing the second edition, then you've got something good to look forward to. Right. Speaking of uh, other games, we're going to skip one in particular because I don't want to go on a rant uh, just yet. But we're going to go on to Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest. Yeah, this has certainly been taking the hype lately. Uh, Stonemaier Games have basically announced that they are reprinting a revised, expanded and refreshed edition of the classic pirate game. Libertalia came out a while ago. In fact, maybe I can get it for you on BGG just a sec. But it was basically a 
card game where you each had a hand of like a supply of a bucket load of these different characters and you you had to share loot from an island that you settled on they were represented by all these tokens not all of them were good some of them were bad but you chose a certain amount of, i think you had nine pirates at the start of the game which were like pre-selected i think and then you chose four of them or so to go onto the onto the ship like to go and get loot but depending on when you played them you played one every round it would rank above and below other people's things and other like pirates do different effects so the timing of when you play them is critical in this game to get the loot you want now i like the game fine i thought it had some really good artwork i thought it really did do a good job but the artwork's pretty gorgeous on this but the only problem I have with it, which is why I gave it a 6 out of 10, is that it got a bit repetitive after a few plays, and I found it was just too chaotic. Like, you know, you half the time you could be placing a card down on that deck and just hoping it goes well. Like, it's very difficult to predict what you're going to do. Yes, everybody's got the same characters, but after each, like, phase is done, you chuck some get chucked away and you keep others, and so you don't necessarily know what other players have kept at that time, but, you know, it's kind of... I don't know, I just found it a little bit too chaotic, and it dragged on. It wasn't a short game by any means. Fitting for the pirate theme, actually. The outside is currently drenching a storm out there, so uh, hopefully the internet won't give way while I'm recording this, but I suppose that's the one advantage of using OBS. I don't have to use the internet, whereas with StreamYard I do, so we'll see how that goes, really. But, yeah, I wasn't the biggest Libertaria fan, but I gave it some props. So this new version, I mean, from Stonemaier, who, granted... They're on a bit of a downturn for me at the moment, but this does look cool. I'm not sure the artwork on the cover is really grabbing me, and I certainly don't know if I like this whole... I don't know, it looks like anthropomorphic animals or something is being used for the theme. I would have kind of liked it if they just went back to a traditional gritty pirate theme. What's wrong with doing that? You could do like similar really good style artwork for that, but I don't know why we need the change. And the fact that they put a tagline on it. I mean, for crying out loud, just call it Libertalia 2.0 or Libertalia 2nd Edition or whatever. Does it really have to have winds of gale crest like anybody gives a monkeys where you put the setting? I don't know, it... it these things bug me. It's a personal nitpick, but still. But uh, yeah, they're bringing it back. So you've got new art, 40 characters per player, which is ridiculous. A new reputation system to resolve tiebreakers, uh, premium tokens, a solo mode. I don't know if this game really deserves a solo mode, but oh well, let them do it. And yeah, we, it's, I think it's coming out later this year. I think they're pre-ordered. Yeah. So for each person, yeah, th there's pre-orders going on at the moment. Uh from March the 2nd, 2022, and then it's expected that um, a few weeks, oh, really, followed within a few weeks by pre-order fulfillment. So, yeah, you'll be able to get it probably within the late spring, I suspect, if you pre-order it, and the retail release will be a few months later. So you're getting it long in advance. Do I want to pay the money for this, is the question, just to get it reviewed? Because if I wait then it'll be pointless doing a review because everybody will have played it. It will have been covered already. I need to get this on the pre-order if I want to review it. And Stonemaier hasn't sent me any review copies for a long, long time. But, you know, the images from here look cool. I mean, it does look pretty sweet. I'll give it that. Uh, definitely upping the component quality. I mean, oh, yeah, look at those little chest things on the right. They look pretty sweet. And these are definitely thick tokens that you're drawing out of a bag, you know, big, chunky, almost like bait-like towels, I think they are. So, 
does look pretty sweet. You've got some like items and stuff that you can grab. I want to see a card art though. Have they got some close-ups of the cards? Yeah, so yeah, like I mean this is like a big gorilla and he's the armorer. I the artwork's good, but I just feel like it would have been better as a gritty pirate game. But yeah, I might I might pre-order this. If I can't get a review copy, I might give this one a look. Um, if nothing else, I can always sell it on if uh, I don't like it. But yeah, I might have to look into this one a bit more. I haven't got long to make a decision as to whether to pre-order, but we'll see. So if you're a Libertalia fan, then rejoice. You're getting a new version soon. Especially if you've played it and you couldn't get hold of a copy because it's been out of print for donkey's years. And then finally in the news, here's a bit of a rant. Word has come out that Tesuro is getting a luxury limited edition. Uh, if you know Tesuro, Tesuro is a very simple gateway level game. You basically have a piece on the edge of a board, you put tiles down, they've got all these weird wavy roots all over the place. It's kind of, well, Whistle Stop, one game I really like, has a similar thing, and so does Metro. But you basically move your piece along the paths, and you're trying to last out everybody else. You're trying not to collide with each other. It's simple, it's fun, it's not as fast as I would like. Some people do seem to take their sweet time with it, like making a decision, but, you know, it's a cheap little laugh. You know, nothing amazing, but nothing bad either. A $350 limited edition. Stone tiles, bamboo rule scroll, rule scroll and a gold dragon statue. Who asked for this? Seriously, 35 cardboard tiles are now going to be like stone tiles. So 35 tiles, a little dra gold dragon statue, which I'm not even sure what that's for. You know, is that part of the expansion that was in it? Because you had your own piece and, and a bamboo rule scroll as if I really need to care what you print the rules on. Especially as Tesuro is such a simple game that frankly, once you've learned it, you should never need to open up the rule scroll ever again and a satin bag, and all of the, oh my word, it's, I mean, it's not to say it doesn't look good, you know, this dragon statue looks beautiful, and so, you know, the bamboo scroll will be great, and I'm sure the stone tiles are going to look great as well, but, who asked for this? Who is going to spend $350 on Tesuro? You know, a 10, you know, well, a 20 minute filler, easy gateway game, $350? I mean, is there anybody out there that is such a big fan of Tesoro that they would spend this kind of money on this kind of copy? I cannot wait to see the sales figures for this, to say who's got more money than cents, because this is just not necessary. Just have your basic version of Tesoro. I cannot say, unless you're going to put this in a glass cabinet and show it off to people, in which case you are a collector, not a board gamer. Just, this seems ridiculous. Why, 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 why? But, eh, well, we'll just leave it at that. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to buy it. I don't expect a lot of people will either. And it's going to be a limited edition. But, again, too much money. I mean, who in this day and age is $350 they're willing to just splash out on something like this? I don't get it. But, oh, well, uh, bear in mind, the original one cost $40, which was too expensive for that game, frankly. But still, that's 10 times the original cost. Calopi Games, what are you drinking at the moment? <laughs> Oh, uh, well, um, I just realized I've skipped games I've played, uh, so let's do one game I've played. One game I've played. Okay, fine. Uh, all right, we'll do the one I did uh, the other night, actually. So, I believe it's called City State, although it's not going to be called City State. It's going to be called uh, Cita... Cita Strato? Cita Stato? I don't know. Um, here we go. Yeah, 
Cita, Cita Stato, it's basically called City State, I think, I think that's the translation, but this is not a game you would expect me to play. Cita Stato, whatever, City State, the rise of the Maritime Republics. Again, stupid tagline, why is it in there? I'm not calling it the rise of the Maritime Republics, don't bother putting these in your game. Glorious cover, that is a really beautiful cover. Uh, this publisher, though, uh, I forget how you pronounce their name, Geochicks.it, I, 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 I really don't know how you pronounce their pub the publisher's name, because honestly, I don't have any of their games, but why am I playing a game like this? Well, my friend, um, a heavy board gamer, who is very much into beige games, we kind of use it as a bit of a, a taking the mick thing, or saying he embraces it, and it's fine, that's the style of games he likes, but he likes a lot of these beige euros, so these kind of mechanical games that have got no theme whatsoever, set in Rome, set in Italy, set in like the Mediterranean trading type thing, all just mechanics without any sense or decorum of theme whatsoever, you know, and to be fair, we do have games that we do like, trust me, um, <laughs> and some of these games I can enjoy. But he recently got this on the Kickstarter that fulfilled recently, and he wanted to play it, and I figured, you know what, I'd like to take a break from teaching for a week. So I was up for this. Let me just slurp some tea right now. Lovely. All right. So this one, he brought on Friday night, and we gave it a play. I'm not even going to bother caring about the theme, because the theme is non-existent. Whatever. You're supposedly merchants or different... Fa I honestly cannot remember what the theme is. It is so, like, not present in this game. Maybe the description will tell me. Here we go. In the 12th century... Thanks to the Holy Crusades and to the development of new merchant routes, a few cities in Europe had grown so powerful that they became city-states called maritime republics, and their influence extended through the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, sorry, this is really not a theme that's selling it. Um, you represent a maritime republic with unique characteristics and you must make it stand out by gaining greater commercial, war and political prestige while also striving to develop and maintain republican values. A great score alone might not be enough to win if you can't preserve the republican nature. That tries to make it sound a lot more epic than it actually is, okay? It is really trying to big up the theme here. Trust me, the theme is gone the second I start talking about these mechanisms, right? Now, it may sound like I hate the game. No, I actually enjoyed it, but it's one of those games where I think I'm going to need more plays to really cement... Well, I haven't even given it a first impressions rating. I mean, if I was... To, if you're going to put a gun to my head and say make a first impressions rating, I'd probably give it a... A five or six. It's average at the moment, maybe above average. I'm not, I wouldn't give it a seal of endorsement at this point, but I'd certainly want to play it more and get some more plays of it. Now, what do you actually do in this game? Well, basically, let's try and get the board. Let's try and get a decent picture of the board here. Right, this will have to do. You essentially have a closed economy of cubes. It's a bag building game. So you've got white and black, which are special cubes, and then you've got these three other colors, sorry, four other colors, yellow, uh, green, red, and purple. And you have a starting city, and it tells you what cubes you have in your bag and what you have in your supply. These cubes are what you spend to do actions. The board gives you three types of actions. You've got the top part here with these banners, which is like a special action depending on the color. Then you've got these cards, future and present as they call them, which basically from the present cards, you can get them and you can either burn them for a special ability on your board, or you could use them for their ability, and they'll trigger again one of each color at the end of the game. And then the third thing you can do is, I believe you can upgrade your player board. There are four tracks on here, and yellow, green, and that for those colors. And upgrading them gets you some bonuses and makes some of these top banner actions more powerful. Okay? 
incredibly mechanical as you can tell <laughs> um, and basically you spend a cube for your first action which goes into the market so people can buy these cubes and then the next action you do costs two cubes then the next one costs three and the next one costs four and it's all got to be the same color as what you're doing so it's got to be one yellow two green three orange but white is a wild for these two colors and uh, uh, white uh, yellow and green and black is a wild for orange and purple based on the layout on the board right each of these actions does different things so one lets you buy more cubes one lets you buy cards one lets you go to war which is basically just a case of putting a, a numbered token on this banner and whoever reveals it at the end as the higher number gets to pick a card from anywhere the rest just get any old card uh, there's one that triggers your special city power and then there's some decree cards here which are special abilities you can trigger with the purple action there's even a weird little track on the top of your player board where you shift this cube from left to right it's like an alignment marker you've got a government card at the start of the game and you essentially it affects your final scoring depending on whether the cube is in the right section or not think the king's dilemma with those uh, secret um call secret roll cards that you picked at the start of each round which meant that you had to have the the kingdom tank or succeed in certain areas exactly the same except it's in this game uh now you go through seven rounds and you basically just like try to be efficient with the cubes and then you get to the scoring which is a bit of a faff but it's essentially that the first marker you have is what you score during the game. You then have a second marker that you start at zero, and anything you get at the end of the game from endgame scoring is then, at, is then represented by itself. The difference between the two markers is the amount of crowns you have to spend from something else you can earn during the game in order to be able to use the higher score marker. Otherwise, you must use the lower. That sounded cool, but in our first game, it meant absolutely nothing at all. Everybody had enough crowns by barely getting any crowns at all to do what they wanted to do with the marker. On top of that, the markers ended up right next to each other for every player. So the person who won was clearly at the top with both markers, two purples. Then I was second with two greens. Then next one was third with two blues and fourth was there with two yellows. Nobody had a big differentiation between their two scoring markers. Did we play it efficiently? I don't know. It was, it was our first game for everybody. But that just meant that the last part of the scoring was a huge faff to deal with for no benefit whatsoever. It, it seemed like a bit of a waste, but I'll have to see in subsequent games if it can improve on that front. As for the game itself, it's fine. I mean, you've got some decisions to make with the cubes. I do think some of these actions are more powerful than others. I mean, certainly, I think that if you go pretty heavy on the war one, you're almost unbeatable in the war if you are uncontested. And so you can just sort of run away with that and it just becomes your action. And everybody else with orange cubes doesn't really have anything useful to do with said orange cubes. This black action where you give in banners to get crowns is never used. None of us used it once in our first game. I kid you not. The decrees vary in terms of their power, but then in our game we had one decree that was used all the time, and the other three were useless. So it just didn't seem worth it there. I didn't have any yellow cubes, so I couldn't buy more cubes, but then I decided, you know what, I'm going to upgrade my green track on my player board. And this means that I can draw six cubes instead of three out of the bag when I start a new round. So, you know, even if I don't buy many cubes, I'm going to get all the cubes I want. And I thought this would give me an advantage in that regard. But there were so many ways in this game to draw cubes out of a bag really easily because of a decree card and other cards that come out of this deck that it just seemed pointless for me to upgrade that track. It felt like I'd wasted all that time and effort to do it 
for no more benefit than anybody else had. So it, it seemed a little bit odd, you know, the balance of some of these actions. But the game was fine. I would like to play it again to see if what my first impressions are continue on. But it is definitely a beige mechanical game. I mean, at no point did I remember where this was set or what Republic was what. And all that stuff I read in the blurb on Board Game Geek, none of that comes through in this game. It is entirely 100% mechanical, no theme whatsoever. It's a beige Euro, which is pretty much what this publisher does. Beige Euros with no theme. So, did I like it? A bit. I found it okay. I found decisions were interesting. I found, well, to the point, it was a bit linear in some sense. Your turn, you didn't have a lot of leeway on your turn to be able to say, oh, you know what, I was going to do this, but now I'm going to do this instead because of what they've done. No, I found that I just basically planned out my turn and just went through the motions. So you don't get a lot of flexibility because of the way that the cube action works. So I don't feel that this is a very tactical game. This feels like a strategy game where you just plan out the whole round and then you just follow it through. Um, having four players does make this quite contested and chaotic for cards and that. There's even an expansion to add a fifth player. They literally only did that because people, for some reason, requested a fifth player expansion. Seriously, stop requesting fifth player expansions. Stop requesting them now. <laughs> Close up to the camera there to scare people. Seriously, just stop requesting these things. Not everything needs five players. If you got five players... Get it down to four somehow, or get it up to six and split into two three-player games. Why does everybody suddenly have groups of five people all of a sudden? I don't know, but I don't know, personal nitpick. Uh, but yeah, so the game is fine. I liked it enough, but it's not my type of game. Certainly, I've got no interest in the setting or theme, and like I say, it doesn't come through at all. The components are pretty basic, and there's definitely some issues with tracking score markers and who's the first player at any point because there's no easy way to track it because it shifts around. And it's very difficult to figure out if you're even doing well or where you're going to end up on the final scoring. It feels like you get to the end and then you just wait and see to see what happens if you win. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to be able to track, like, oh, I'm going to end up here in the final round scoring because somebody could pull some trick out of the, you know, at the last minute, completely screw you over, and it's like, oh, in that case, I don't know what I'm getting then. You know, so it's, it's fine, but it's a beige Euro. The only people who are going to play this game or give one iota about it are the ones who backed it on Kickstarter. You know, rank 10,000, I do not see this uh, becoming a big popular title. You know, I dread to think how many people have even got this game. It was not a, a huge Kickstarter. I wonder if I can... Ah, there's no point. Find it. Who cares? It's got 57 ratings. This is a niche game for those who like beige Euros. If you're into it and you're, if you got it on the Kickstarter, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts on it are. I would like to play it again, but, you know, to see what happens in future plays, you know, like with the action, the decree cards changing, change up the game much, would changing my strategy change up the game much, you know, going after certain cards or taking more emphasis on in-game scoring or end-game scoring, who knows, but... Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. I'm sure I'll end up playing it at some point again, but I'm not exactly uh, you know like clutching my seat looking forward to it. You know, it's a case of when it happens, it'll happen. So cool. Right now for the discussion topic of this show is Kickstarter a menace? Oh boy, is it a menace? Uh, now. I do back stuff on Kickstarter, okay? I do like it as a platform, and I'm including GameFound in this as well. 
but it's not what it used to be. <laughs> I There was a point when it first appeared where it did feel like this was a case of, right, you know, these publishers have really got to get the funding in order to get these games out. You've got people who are doing these passion projects. These indie board game publishers are having to use it. And it was, majority of the stuff was that. Alien Frontiers was one of the, like, the first ones that sort of brought it into the limelight. And yeah, that's a solid game still on my shelf. It probably didn't cost the ends of the earth. Lately, though... Kickstarter is starting to become a bit of a problem. More tea there. Because it's getting ridiculous how expensive board games are getting, particularly when people on Kickstarter start doing stuff like this. So let's get rid of these new ones out there. Let's get rid of these uh, pages. Yeah, there's Marvel United. But let's go on to Marvel Zombies here, okay? So whoop, let's bring it up. Marvel Zombies. The Cool Mini or Not Sensation, $9 million. Oh my word. Now, I love Marvel. I don't mind zombies. I liked the Marvel Zombies episode of What If. It wasn't perfect, but I liked it. It was something different. Uh, but I did not go anywhere near this to buy it. Because for crying out loud, and it's not just Cool Mini or Not. It's this whole thing that miniatures sell games now. But... The basic mode was $130. That's a lot for a board game by itself. And yet it didn't even have all the modes in the game. This has one of the two modes. To do hero mode, you have to pay another $120 or so to get the $240 pledge. And then if you want this pointless, stupid, huge Galactus model, which is like, I forget how tall this thing was, like several feet tall, it's like... A stupid amount of plastic that isn't necessary. 410. And then if you want everything, $615 plus shipping plus taxes, VAT. Oh my word. Now you're getting a lot of content, but firstly, is there really a board game that deserves $650 of your money? I've just, thanks thanks to Patreons again, I've just upgraded components in my PC, right, to get my video editing up to speed, right? This pledge, $615, which is about 500, I mean, what's $615? About 550 quid. That costs the same as the processor as I shoved in my PC, the 12900K Intel, you know, big, 12th generation, super powerful, it's made my video editing, you know, silky smooth lately when combined with everything else in there, but yeah, it costs the same as a massive computing powerhouse in my PC for a single board game, that is ridiculous, you know, the last time I paid for anything from Call Me or Not was Rising Sun, I paid just under $300 and I took the all-in pledge with everything. I regret to this day that I did that because I barely use the expansion content and it's not a game I bring out very often anyway. Why did I spend $300 on it? Waste of my money. I could have just bought the basic pledge and got just as much enjoyment really. So this is just giving you a ton of stuff like you know, Fantastic Four, Clash of the Sinister Six and each of these expansions is basically like, oh it's a stretch goal. Look we're giving you more content because you're giving us money. No, you could have put this in a single box and you're basically just stripping it out of the game and selling it on for more money. It's exactly what AAA game titles do these days on video game market. You take a game, you strip out the content, and then with live service and all the stuff of modern gaming, you have to basically buy it back as DLC and stuff. 
but this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm not saying that the models aren't cool. And trust me, I would love to have a bunch of these Marvel things. And the game could be awesome. I have no idea. The game could be fantastic. It could be amazing. But think about it. Are you going to use all this content? You know, most of these games, like I said, I haven't even used much of the expansion content of Rising Sun. Great Wall had some like extra modules and that in there that you could buy as the deluxe Kickstarter pledge. I mean, I sold the game pretty quickly after I played it because I thought, oh god, yeah, this game's not that good. But there is no way I would have used any of the modules that came with the expansion. You know, total waste of money to get the expansion. There's just too much in here. There's got to be a limit to how much time you have to try out all this content. So a lot of this is just going to sit in the box and get, barely get played. Was it worth $50 to get a few Hydra minis that you may never use? I don't know. Marvel United is another example. $2.8 million. This is, what, like a kid's game, effectively? It's a family weight co-op game. Could be great. I don't know. I didn't particularly like the whole chibi look of the Marvel characters. That put me off quite heavily. The game could be really solid. But it's basically a family slash kids weight game, isn't it? For how much money was this one? Ultimate Pledge? $190. With all of this like content in there. Are you using this content, people who have got Marvel United? All of these things, all of these cards, and even then, it doesn't seem like a lot of a lot of content for each one. I mean, look, you know, thirty dollars it takes me to no thirty five dollars it takes me to get this Return of the Sinister Six. I get six miniatures, uh, one dashboard, so one little uh one little board, six villain dashboards or whatever they are, and a bunch of cards for thirty five dollars. Seems like quite a lot for just that little optional expansion. I don't know. It just seems a little bit over the top. And the would you really spend $200 on a family weight game? That just seems like a lot. $90 seemed quite a lot for what was essentially a kids game. I mean, you know, I, I feel like you could have, like, just... If you didn't use minis, this could have been the same price as a Ticket to Ride style game. And I think it would have done just as well. But nope, it's got to be minis because minis on Kickstarter sell everything. Literally everything is all about miniatures. And as soon as you get to the point where it's like, look at all these miniatures, look at all these miniatures, look at all these miniatures, look at all these, look at all these stretch goals, look at all these miniatures. Oh my God, miniatures, 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 miniatures. And now we get to how the rules are. Yeah, <laughs> the rules are like halfway down the page. I hate that. As soon as I see that all your like top half of the page is just how cool our miniatures are and all our stretch goals, I lose interest in your campaign, frankly, because it's just like you care more about the miniatures than you do about whether your game is actually fun to play. But it's not just, I know I'm rambling on Cool Mini or Not here, but it's just they are kind of the poster child for this thing. But it works for other games as well and other publishers. It's just there's a problem going around called the fear of missing out, the FOMO effect where all of these stretch goals get shoved into a thing, and yes, you could say, well, I could just buy the basic pledge, and 2,700 backers in this case did, but 10,000 backers bought the entire lot, because the problem is, is when you put all these exclusives, or all these like specific ones that won't get sold on retail, like I guarantee you this stuff isn't going to get sold on retail, I bet, I bet my bottom dollar on that, the... The problem is that people think, oh, I, I don't want to miss out on these things, I really want it, I could get the basic set, but then he'll have that really good set, and he'll, he'll look down on me, <laughs> and it's, and it's just, you know, people get desperate, and then they pay too much money for these games, and it's just encouraging publishers to do this, to care more about stretch goals and exclusives in order to get more money out of you. 
What happened to the days where you could just kickstart something for 20 bucks, 30 dollars, and get a half decent game out of it from somebody who was trying to seriously get it? Because the thing is, Cool Mini not, do not need this Kickstarter to do this. Nor do most of these other publishers. You know, they already have this plan. They have the capability. They could literally just make a bunch of these games, pre-order it, and they know it will sell like hotcakes. So this is just a pre-order system for content that was already in place. This is not like, oh, if we didn't get $9 million, we wouldn't be able to bring this game to life. I mean, what is the basic uh, goal they wanted? Um, I've got the goal here. $500,000. I get the feeling the goal was probably a bit less than that. But yeah, it's, uh, of course they were going to meet that goal. It's like a foregone conclusion. Sorry. Oh, spilled a bit of my tea there. <laughs> Making a mess. Making a mess. Yes, I'm going on such a rant, I can't even drink properly. Right, the, you know, but as I say, it's just the fear of missing out is causing a lot of problem. And hype is another issue. Because hype in projects on Kickstarter, it the word about this, they get plastered over Facebook groups. And everybody's like, oh, what's this game? Oh, my God, a new game? Oh, my God, look, it's made loads of dollars. Look at all this new content. And then all these Kickstarter channels, which I'm not a fan of, to be honest. I'm not a fan of these channels that are literally just promoting Kickstarter things. Because most of the time, they're promoting this stuff. Where's the Kickstarter channel that's going, oh, look at this like lovely little game by this you know, Humby Indie designer or something. You know, we'd like you to consider this game. No, they're doing these because these companies are, sell are giving them pre-Kickstarter review copies of this stuff. And naturally, they're going to publicize it. They're going to hype it to all, like kingdom like to the top like echelons of the mountains and they're not going to say a bad word about them and that's the problem because this is why I don't like doing kickstarter previews in general I do the occasional one but I still give my opinion and I still point out flaws most of these kickstarter channels do not point out flaws in the game they'll just say this is a game look at all this cool stuff you get it go check it out on kickstarter now they generate hype they don't tell you if the game is that great and even if they were to give an opinion on the game they'll just tell you it's amazing because why would they tell you the game sucks if it stops the publisher sending them more stuff it's the uh problem of integrity these days so i'm not a big fan of kickstarter specific like content but you know that's why i don't do it very often myself but then, like I say, it's not to say that some small publishers don't get a chance. However, like to quote one that I've actually partially backed, I've, I'm tentative as to whether I want to keep my pledge because it is expensive, but Deep Rock Galactic. So this is Mood Games, uh, Denmark. And again, miniatures, miniature, 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 miniatures. Although in this case, they do offer a basic version which doesn't have... The miniatures, I believe they have, yes, they have got one with cardboard standees. Great. I love it when publishers do this. If you want to make a big deal about miniatures, then go right ahead, but have an option. You know, these cardboard standees look cool. The artwork's great. It's colorful. The problem with miniatures is that, yes, the miniatures look cool, but I never paint mine. I haven't got the painting skill or the cash to paint a ton of minis. So I've got a bunch of gray all over the board, which look cool. They're 3D. But they're grey. At least with these standees, you get nice colour artwork. Eldritch Horror. Eldritch Horror in that box up there. That is never used miniatures. Other, well, the, the Eldritch Horror. I'm not talking about Mansions of Madness. And to be fair, the miniatures of Mansions of Madness suck. But Eldritch Horrors always use standees. And they look great. 
They've got artwork of the monsters and artwork of the characters on standees. They're just basic wooden, like, well, cardboard standees. They look great. What's wrong with them? Use them more often, I say. Now, Deep Rock Galactic is a game that I've sunk about 400 hours into on the PC game. I love this game. I just, I, I could literally, I've, I've exhausted all the content in the game, frankly. So it is like just one I pick up every now and again now. But still... I pick it up and I just have a bit of fun with it because it's literally pick up and play for me. I can go on the highest difficulty, I can go through elite deep dives without too much trouble, depending on the group. I can pick any of the four characters and do well with them, some better than others. I'm much better as a scout and a driller than I am as a gunner and an engineer. But, as I say, I have fun with this game. So I was interested to see whether this game would be good and I think it could suit a good co-op board game. I think it's ripe for it. Now, mood games haven't done a board game before. You know, they've got five created projects, but none of them are board games. There we go, we're back. <laughs> Sorry if that uh, skipped out on the podcast there. I had a slight blemish in the Wi-Fi. But continuing what I said, Deep Rock Galactic, this mood publishing is a small publisher. So I feel that for £167,000 goal, they're making £1.3 at the moment. They're doing pretty well on this. i got to give them credit. But this is one where they probably do need to use Kickstarter because they've got no idea whether this will be good. They don't know how many PC gamers or board gamers and be interested in this. And it's a gamble. So this is where Kickstarter should be done. There is no reason that Marvel Zombies is any kind of gamble from Cool Mini or Not's perspective. This, on the other hand, is. And I give them more respect. Um, you know, you've got a deluxe pledge and it's not cheap. I mean, it's 120, 110 euros for the deluxe pledge. And then if you want a little expansion, an exclusive little miniature, a neoprene mat and a bunch of other stuff, it was 153 euro. That's expensive for a board game again. I mean, miniatures just cost, you can make really good miniatures these days, but man, do they cost the ends of the earth at the moment. Now, granted, I tentatively have backed this at the collector's edition pledge, 153 euros. So that equates to about 129 pound, and that's going to include another like 25 euro shipping and God knows. So I'm looking to be spending about 150 quid on this. That's a lot, and this is why I'm tentative on it because I'm like, do I really want to spend that much on this game? Now, I would love a neoprene mat, so I'm definitely up for that. I'm not that desperate for this expansion. I mean, honestly. This is a pretty expensive little expansion for just five miniatures, a few cards, and a rule sheet. I mean, it really does seem like a bit of a rip-off for that expansion. But, and sleeves, well, I can take or leave it. I mean, I would have bought sleeves anyway. But I might have been satisfied if I didn't want that neoprene mat. I could have been fine with a deluxe pledge. And to be honest, part of me was even thinking, do I go for the standard edition just so that I can just have the standees? But... I don't know, it's Deep Rock Galactic. I do like Deep Rock Galactic. Thematically, I would get into this game quite well. And it's had some good press. I mean, Mark Street gave it some good uh, press. But then, again, it's Kickstarter-specific content. When are they ever going to say a bad word? Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this progresses through it. I mean, they are unlocking more stretch goals as they go through. And I have gone down to the whole thing. And this is one thing to bear in mind. I've ranted at Kill Many or Not. I've ranted at other Kickstarters that do nothing but miniatures. I mean, like you say, Madara, I think, was a similar deal. Deep Souls was all about miniatures, and yet Deep Souls was a, <clears throat> a terrible board game. A terrible board game that made a ton of money with miniatures. Hmm, miniatures don't necessarily make a good game, people. But one thing to understand is I am a victim of this myself. 
It's not like, oh, I'm like, I'm totally impervious to FOMO and hype and stuff like, well, actually, I'm pretty immune to hype, but fear of missing out affects me as well. But Kickstarter does feel a bit like an addiction for some people. Like, it, it's, people are backing all these different games and spending a ton of money on them, and it's becoming addictive. People want to spend all this money, and I do worry sometimes. I backed a lot of projects in the past. I've now feel proud that I can actually back specific projects. Like, I don't just back everything in sight now. And most of the stuff I back is stuff which might as well just be a pre-order anyway. So, just to put my money where my mouth is, and to show you that I can be victim to some of this stuff in the past, Here's what I've been backing. Uh, so, Deep Rock Galactic is an active pledge at the moment. We'll see how that goes as to whether I keep that. But, uh, bags and playmats for board games. The, ta the board game tables, I backed a premium bag and a lightweight bag. This is something I will actually use, okay? You know, it's I've got a bag I use in there, otherwise I'm using IKEA bags. IKEA bags are not the best padding for when they're in my car boot, though, so... To try and protect my games a bit better when I transport them around, I thought a premium bag would be a good investment. Yes, it's not cheap, but it's an investment. Viscounts, the two expansions, now that sounds like a lot of money, but New Zealand dollars translates to uh, quite a substantially lower figure when it's done into pounds. But, you know, I love Viscounts. Of course I want expansion content. This isn't me gambling on a Kickstarter. This is just I want this content sooner than anybody else. Voidfall, this one was a tentative one. I enjoyed the one phase I played at Essen. It's I've got faith that it, I'll in, I liked what I saw and I liked what I played, but it's a gamble. 145 euro for this box that I've no idea how often it's going to get played. This could be Kickstarter regret, but again, I was like, oh, I don't know. Do I get it? Because if I don't get it in this form now, when am I ever going to get it? Urgh. And I fell victim to my own, you know, stuff I preach. Uh, Edge of Darkness expansion, uh, Emissaries of the Veil. Uh, is that really $107? What was in this? I'm starting to regret that now. Why did I spend that much money on it? No, there's got, there's got to be something else here. I must have bought some extras. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, this is the latest expansion for Edge of Darkness, a niche game that I really love. I know why it's $107, because I think I bought some add-ons. Um, I might have bought some... Uh, did I buy some add-ons? I can't remember. Um, I know I bought another expansion. Yes, that was it. Oh, oh yes, yeah, so I might have bought some coins in that, uh, and I might have bought sleeves. I'm not sure if I did. I feel like I bought some coins, but... The, I definitely bought the Cliffs of Cold Harbor, uh, the other expansion before it, because I didn't have that one. I only had the Sands, I didn't have the Cliffs. Although, to be honest, this feels like maybe this was a mistake, because I love the game, but it's not like I've played through a bunch of the Sands content, let alone even think of where I'm going to find time to play through this lot of expansion content. But it's a game I really enjoy, and it will bring it back out. So, again, I've probably spent too much money on that, but hey-ho, at least I know I'm going to like it. Uh, Architects of the West Kingdom. Again, an expansion from a game I already like. Uh, Dice Tower. Um, I always give them a token gesture of those. Uh, Vindication. Expansion. I already know I like Vindication. So again, a lot of the stuff I'm backing is expansions. So I... You know, why am I, you know, worried about expansions? I'm not. And this is basically just me pre-ordering the expansions. So it's not like I regret these ones when I get them. But there are a couple on here which are 
you know, definitely more gambles. I mean, Fall of the Mountain King, uh, 134 Canadian dollars, Kickstarter edition. However, that is including Kickstarter upgrades for Hall of the Mountain King, which I have on my shelf, and I would like to upgrade and bling that out. Fall of the Mountain King, I played with the designer and the publisher on TTS. I think I did a video, I did my first impressions on the video last year. You can check that out. But I had fun with the game and I thought it was interesting. I thought, you know what, this is worth it. And it seemed reasonably priced as a Kickstarter for the game. And it didn't have to go, oh, look at all these miniatures everywhere. At least I don't think it was miniature heavy. Let's have a look. Fall of the Mountain King. Do, 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 do. Uh,. Fall of the Mountain King. So, oh, all right, all right, my bad. This one does have a lot, well, plastic miniatures. I mean, uh, actually, yeah, this one does have quite a lot of miniatures in it. But these miniatures are kind of basic. It's basically a bunch of trolls, and it's just for player colors. It's not like there's a bucket load of ridiculously huge, unique sculpts. It's just the fact that instead of wooden pieces, you get, uh, you know, some minis. You know, nothing too bad, but it wasn't that expensive. I mean... 95 Canadian dollars for the Kickstarter version of Fall of the Mountain King? That's not bad compared to a lot of Kickstarters, frankly. So I thought that was a reasonable investment. Uh, Endless Winter, 101 euros. That is including the big box, a premium playmat and everything. And again, as I say, I do fall victim to this. I'm a big sucker for playmats. And I am a bit of a kind of you know, completionist with some of this stuff. It's hard for me to resist the completionist syndrome of fear of missing out. And I fall victim to it, because I figured with some of these, I'm like, oh, but if I don't get it, I'll never have it later. Oh, I don't know, do I do it now? And some of these I've only managed to afford because of side work. So occasionally I do some, like, tax advice for other people, and, you know, I can get a bit of money for that. All that money is private earned cash to spend on what I like, and I tend to use that for Kickstarters probably a waste of money i probably should spend it on something more important but you know if it's there i might as well use it uh but some of this you know i mean all of this is my cash patreons do not fund my kickstarters you know i fund kickstarters out of my own pocket i make that very very clear so you know this is definitely money out of my own pocket i suppose it's one of the benefits of living single life but here's the gamble that I've got on this page. Stellaris Infinite Legend, uh, Legacy. This is entirely a gamble. I could regret this hard. And again, fear of missing out. I didn't want to miss out on some of the extra like stuff you got in the deluxe expansion. But the main reason I back this is because of the pedigree of the publisher. Academy Games, they know what they're doing. They should be able to make a pretty decent thematic game and respect the license. But also, I play Stellaris. Um, I play Stellaris multiplayer every now and again with some friends of mine, and I enjoy the game. So this is a game I'm already into thematically. So if they can make a really good game for this using the Stellaris level and really capture that 4X feel, which is missing from a lot of space games, to be frank, you know, and, you know, big playmat and stuff like that. I, I didn't want to miss out on a lot of this stuff. And actually, did I buy this one? No, hang on a minute. I bought the 170 one, so... So what did I get for that? I just got the expansions. Maybe I didn't get the playmat. I must admit, I didn't really care about having a couple of these miniatures, and I didn't need even more dice. Uh, but you know, what did I get then? I got the Empire's expansion. I got stretch goals. Uh, oh, I got the Broodmother and Crisis Boss, I think, because I went in early. But yeah, I don't think I went for the all-in deluxe. So I must have... I must have... Yeah, I didn't get the playmat. 
I resisted the playmat on this one, so I didn't go completely all in. I did curb my expectations a little bit and go for deluxe. I mean, standard really didn't sound like it had a lot. I felt like I really wanted these little bits in there as well. But yeah, this was probably a little bit much. You know, I didn't need all that stuff as well. You know, I was curbing expectations. But as I say, this could be a bit of a gamble. Uh, other pledges, what have I done? Uh, Roleplay Adventures, I, I did a group pledge for that. That's why that said cancelled. Here's an example of something small, though. Cabbage Head's Garden Returns. Cabbage Head Garden. Simple solo card game. It's still on my shelf. It's a neat little card game. And 34 bucks, including shipping and everything else. And that was for the deluxe version. Where are these Kickstarters, eh? You know, Kickstarters for games that are just nice little things that you can get on Kickstarter these days. Why does everything have to be a miniature fest? But then we... Sorry, taking a drink. Throat's going a bit. Uh, Frostpunk, 125 euro. Yeah, I mean, again, this one doesn't, this one has the miniatures, and I certainly wanted it, but again, a lot of these games I'm backing because they're based on licenses I like. Deep Rock Galactic, Stellaris, now Frostpunk. All of these are computer games I have played because I am a computer gamer. And, you know, people that I trust, Mark Dainty and Paul Grogan, have, you know, given this a look, and I do take their you know, their expectations, you know, quite well, because, you know, we gel on some games, but I can trust their opinions, so with this, I thought, okay, it's based on a license I like, it's done by people who have done things like The War of Mine and that, which is a game I really love for its thematic grittiness, if they can do half of the stuff that they've got in this, I was willing to spend a bit extra and get the deluxe pledge, but again, I didn't want to miss out on stuff, and so I bought the deluxe rather than the standard, it's and this is what I mean, you know, I am a victim of what I'm talking about here. Yeah, this is not that I back a ton of Kickstarters. There are people who back just about every Kickstarter on the planet. You watch the Dice Tower Kickstarter show. I, I watch that because it's good fun listening to them rag on stuff and like rant on all the rubbish stuff. But the, you know, they go through a ton of Kickstarters and most of them I don't back. But when I do find something I want to put my money behind... I tend to have a hard time going to a lower pledge than deluxes or all-ins, which is why I don't like looking at the Call or Not stuff, because if I was to uh, get into those ones to a great deal, I would literally be living on baked beans for the week, because I ain't trying to afford all that all-in stuff. But again, it's based on something that I know I like, so I'm not taking a huge gamble here. Uh, let's have a look. Do, 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 do. Uh, gaming calendar that was just wallpapers, Western Legends Blood Money, that was an expansion, Perseverance, uh, deluxe version, yes, but $135 for two games, effectively, is still pretty good value, I mean, this is a good value Kickstarter, because you're getting two heavy euros in the box, and it's Mind Clash, Mind Clash have a good reputation with me at the moment, now, I will, uh, you know, but then some get delayed. I mean, uh, I kind of regret backing Namaji or whatever, because after playing it, Essen is basically just another version of Takedo, so that's a bit of a regret. Hell, the Last Saga has been delayed God knows how many times, but I'm hoping that will be good when it comes out. And Carnival Zombie 2nd Edition, I mean, God blimey, that was, like, expected delivery was November 2019. They still haven't even finished producing it yet. So that's a bit of a, like, annoyance. But I will certainly stipulate that I've gone a bit mad on the occasional one. So, uh, Great Wall, 90 quid. Spent 90 quid on that and sold it for 90 quid. You know, because I didn't like the game. So, at least that one I got my money back for it. But, again, I didn't want to get the basic version. I'm full victim to my own problems here. 
a nemesis lockdown. Yeah, that was a bit of a mistake, I think. I don't know. I'm enjoying it, but I think I enjoy it multiplayer more than I do solo. Solo just feels like you just walk around quietly, occasionally an alien pops out, and you just fulfill a couple of goals. It seems like a lot of effort for the solo mode, but I, you know, I give it a bit more props in multiplayer. But I bought everything. Like, I thought... You know, let's get all of the original Nemesis and get all of the future Nemesis. And I gambled heavily. And I regret spending that much money on it, actually. I wish I just went for lockdown. I should have just got lockdown. Just the, just the future expansion with the tweaks. Because lockdown is actually better than normal Nemesis, I will say. And I could have had enough characters in there to do fine with for how often it was going to get played. Did I need all the expansion content in that before? Probably not, although it wasn't bad value considering all the stuff you got. But yeah, that one was probably me going a little bit mad. And I think this one was a birthday thing. I get the, I get the impression that I used birthday funds to afford this one because I wouldn't have normally done this. I definitely had some other bit of income come through to be able to afford that. But again, fell victim to my own thing. So yeah. And there's a lot of money I do spend on some of these Kickstarter projects. And as I say, I know I've kind of bullied Call Me or Not here, and I don't mean to, you know, be a hater on Call Me or Not, because I've got Rising Sun, and I still really love that game, and there are other games I've played from Call Me or Not that I do enjoy, and I have no idea if Marvel United and Marvel Zombies are going to be good games or not. I've not, obviously, I've not even looked at Marvel Zombies, and I've not played Marvel United. They could be fantastic games. I have no problem with that. It's just, it's the problems with Fear of Missing Out. It's the problems with the hype train that is generated from Kickstarter projects where people are just spending money and money and money, too much money on this. And suddenly Kickstarter has now become this huge like money generating machine for publishers uh, to get like these projects out, which are basically just giant pre-orders at the end of the day. All the small projects get left on the wayside and barely talked about because all these Kickstarter channels are basically saying, look at Marvel Zombies, Marvel Zombies is amazing, it's amazing. Oh look, they gave me this giant Galactus miniature. I love you, Kulmini or not, thank you. I'm saying great things about you from now on. Look at this, Marvel Zombies. And what happened to small indie publisher with a nice little game? Uh, there's a game a friend of mine has at Portsmouth Club. Oh, is it called Deep Sea or Undersea? I forget what it's called. It's uh. It's got a nice cover of like blue underwater thing. It's you go around a track and you've got like little fish pieces that you grab or something. I forget what it was called. It was actually on a recent Dice Tower crowdfunding show, but I really can't for the life of me what it was called. But he has that game and I've seen it get played a lot at the club. He enjoys it and everybody who's played it has enjoyed it. I've yet to try it myself, but that was a what, a relatively cheap Kickstarter from an unheard of designer, from an unheard of publisher that probably needed Kickstarter to get going. That's cool. You know, that sort of thing is what Kickstarter should be for. But all this hype from social media and YouTube channels just creates, I think, a bit of a negative buzz for Kickstarter and GameFound. You know, this idea that it's mainly just a pre-order platform, that the cost of these is just through the roof, where some games just care more about how many miniatures they can shove in the game rather than the gameplay. Like I said, I showed you the example earlier where the first half of the page is nothing but miniatures. Look at these miniatures, look at these miniatures, and then we might actually tell you whether the game might be good for you or not. You know, you, you would expect that if they had proper integrity that they would put the gameplay up front to say, look at this game we're making. It's a fun game. 
and by the way, it's going to be blinged out like crazy. You know, that order it should be done in. But I also wanted to illustrate that I am a victim of this myself. I don't fall victim to the hype train. I'm pretty immune to stuff like that. Just because a ton of YouTube channels say it's amazing does not mean I'm going to assume it's amazing. But, you know, I always tell people to not resort to hype. No matter how much I talk praise about something like, say, Ark Nova or whatever. Uh, you know, case in point. But... I am victim to the whole fear of missing out thing, you know, where I grab a deluxe pledge or an all-in pledge rather than the basic pledge. I understand entirely if you find it hard to resist it because I am victim to it myself, as you have just seen from me, you know, being open and honest about stuff I've pledged. But I will say that amount I've got there is less than I used to pledge on Kickstarter. I used to jump into a lot of Kickstarter games without even thinking twice about whether they were you know, like, right for me or not, I like to think that I'm backing a lot less Kickstarters now. And most of the ones that you saw me back there are licenses I already love, like Frostpunk and Deep Rock Galactic and stuff, and even then I haven't solidified on Deep Rock Galactic yet, but also the the expansions. Viscounts, Architects, you know, uh, Emissaries of the Wild or whatever it was, it's all the expansions. I already like the game, it's on my shelf. I'm not gambling with it, I'm just buying the expansions early. I could wait for them to come out on retail and then buy them then. I can't with Edge of Darkness. I have to get it on Kickstarter. But yeah, I could have just waited for Viscounts or Architects. Just wait for the retail. I just wanted to pre-order it so I could get it a little bit earlier. And it's not really costing me any extra money. So, you know, those ones are not really Kickstarters. They're just pre-orders. Again, it's a pre-order system now as opposed to Kickstarter crowdfunding. Anyway, one hour, 12 minutes, I have ranted long enough on this podcast. So, uh, as I say, let me know your thoughts in the comments. What do you think of Kickstarter? Do you think Kickstarter is fine, no problems, nothing to worry about? Do you think it's generated an unhealthy addiction among people? Do you think that these practices of minis, 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 minis are destroying what Kickstarter should be about? Do you think like the stuff like Comedy or Not and a few of these other big publishers practices where it's basically a pre-order with a ton of content that's been stripped out and sold back to you for an obscene price is good? Or do you think it's not quite like that? Let me, say, let me know your thoughts. What are your thoughts on Kickstarter and GameFound? Good or bad It'd be interesting to know but i'm going to wrap this up so uh you know thank you everybody who has tuned into this uh podcast and like i say uh, uh you know hopefully you like the Streamyard format so let me know your thoughts on that as well did the Streamyard format work better if so i can use it again it'll be easier than using obs but i'm gonna get on and rest my throat because it is definitely getting a little bit hoarse i think maybe i'll go for a swim go to the gym and then come back just to rest my voice and you know do a bit of physical activity but yeah you know hope you enjoyed this podcast whether you agree with the rants or not take care and remember as always it's only a game bye for now everyone